Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your hostess, Brittany Crossan, and I'm here to help you build a brand, make an impact, and have some fun on social media. I'm the owner of Fun Love Media, a social media and podcasting agency in Houston, Texas. This show is for social media creators, social media managers, and small business owners that want to stand out on social media and beyond. Please know that this show could include some grown-up language here or there. Let's get started. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. I'm your hostess, Brittany Crossan, and today I have one of the coolest people as a guest again on the show. This dude is a Houston-based educator, writer, content creator. He became famous for dancing with his students on social media. He's also a social media manager at my company, Fun Love Media. He works with one of the biggest theaters in the entire city of Houston. He's done so much cool stuff on social media. And today, it, well, wait, hang on. Rewind, Brittany. And he's been on TV, okay? Good Morning America, ABC News, Inside Edition, Access Hollywood, just to name a few. But today he's here to talk to us about how to embody a brand's voice on social media. So if you're a social media manager, listen up. Welcome to the Social Sunshine Podcast. Welcome back, Dr. Trevor Buffoni. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you for having me on the show. Hi. Thanks for doing this again. Um, this is cool. This is a cool topic. And you and I have, have been kind of back and forth on this topic for a while, um, talking about like brand voice. And I think that it's really fascinating. So if anybody likes to, to like nerd out on this, like we do, they're in for a treat. <laughs> Let's nerd out a bit. Um, okay. So for, for anybody that isn't sure about uh, what exactly we mean by how to embody a brand's voice on social media. So if you're a social media manager, you're going to have to do this. And it's literally like creating and writing the copy and all the things like from their point of view. I mean, is that basically, how do you describe it? Yeah. So I think what happens on social media is that we all develop our own personalities that we use on Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, wherever it might be. And sometimes those personalities uh, are different, right? We vary how we speak on different platforms. But when you're running social media accounts for businesses that are relying on your work to generate interest, to bring back customers, to sell tickets, whatever it might be, you have to develop content that speaks within that brand's voice. It also is a matter of the content should aesthetically fit the vibe of that theater. The way you're talking and communicating with people who comment should fit the voice of that theater. Just in the same way that Popeyes might respond to people differently than Taco Bell, right? It's the same idea. Right, yeah, it really is. And it's really fun too. You see it a lot on Twitter with big brands, especially like you were saying, like food brands and stuff. And they'll have those moments where they post something and they reply to somebody else and they're really in that brand voice. And and when you and I know it's just, you know, it's somebody on their social media team that's, you know, written these these things, but it sa it, it's like, I do feel like I'm talking to Popeyes, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, look no further than Duolingo, right? Duolingo has one of the most recognizable voices on social media right now. And much of it has nothing to do with the product, right? But there's so much personality there that people recognize. And all of this has led to Duolingo becoming an even more popular app, right? It's led to downloads. So it, it can be quite fun. Yeah, it is fun. Um Oh, my son Rowdy loves Duolingo. Like he's obsessed. Don't with we all? <laughs> um, okay, so so first I was just going to ask you about 
uh, your experience in, in doing this, especially in recent months, as you are embodying the brand voice for a big theater here in Houston. And then after we can get to like, if you have some tips and suggestions for someone doing this. So how has that been like it, to give some backstory, like um, this theater is, is a big deal in our city and they're known. So like for you to come in as our social media manager, you it's, it's a responsibility to be like, Oh gosh, okay. I gotta, you know, I want to do this right. I want to do a good job. How have you been handling being their brand voice? How is it, how is it going? Were there any difficulties, struggles? Well, to give a little context, I work with Stages, which is a very large theater in Houston. It's also one of the oldest theaters in town. And so it already has very much a built-in audience. I actually inherited a Facebook account with over 18,000 followers. The Instagram account has had a you know about, about 5,500 when I took over, and it's grown, folks. <laughs> and so... I already had a built-in audience that I was working with. And I think one of the things that I was very mindful of from the beginning was that you have to be willing to learn about the brand. You have to be willing to talk to people who work there, go to events, do do the homework, right? Read the press, read the what people are saying online to really figure out how that brand would naturally respond. And for stages, I was sort of in a... I came in with a lot of experience with that brand. I worked with stages before um, for about 10 years off and on. I've worked in different capacities at stages. And I've also been an audience member even before that. So it wasn't like I was coming out of, of nowhere and all of a sudden I was the brand voice for Target or, or Diet Coke, right? This is very much a brand where I feel comfortable with. And part of that comfort is that I've done the, the homework. I've done the work. Right. That's such a good way to start that, Trevor. That's so smart because you're right. Like you, you don't, you literally have to spend time within the brand and talk, like you said, talking to people that work there, that's really good. And then actually like, so with you, you're able to go and watch the performances and get that perspective as well. But if it was a different kind of business, you go and buy their food and eat it. Like you have to be involved. Yeah. You got to learn. That's cool. Right. And I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate because I'm a creative person and I'm working with creative people with artists, theater artists who do all sorts of different things. And one of the best parts, one of the things that works the best for me is getting to actually see the productions, whether it's in rehearsal, the final dress or the actual production. And by seeing those productions, I'm learning so much about the world of the play that makes my content better. It makes my captions better. It makes the story post I make better. And it also makes the way that I can respond to people better because something else that happens when you're running a brand account is people will ask questions about the product uh, or about the experience. They will DM you and ask you things. So for instance, last week, someone DM'd and asked about seats, which is a better seat. And if I hadn't seen that production, if I hadn't been in that space, if I hadn't talked to people who have had different experiences in that space, seeing that show, I might not have actual knowledge to share. And part of, of course, I can always pawn it off to someone else, send them to patron services or give them an email address or a phone number. But by having a social media manager who can respond to that, it makes people respect the brand more. It makes people uh, have a better customer service experience. So the more you can know about the brand, the better. And of course, I was fortunate with this brand, but it's the same with any brand you work with. You have to be willing to learn about it to then be able to speak organically in that voice. Right. 
that's another good selling point. Anybody listening, wanting to get more social media clients to say like, it's going to give a better customer service experience. I love that. Like if you have a really good social media manager that has gotten familiar with the product, because like people will message a brand or business on say Instagram and ask a question like that. And they want to kind of like get their answer on Instagram. They don't want to have to go and email or call and da, da, da. And if they have to, they have to. And sometimes things can get complicated, but Hey, like you said, the more, you know, you made that a great experience. They're probably going to go and they're going to see the show and they're going to feel so great about it. Absolutely. Also think about the amount of times where you comment on a video for a brand or a post or you DM and you get a response days later or a week later. That's not really going to sell your product or make people believe in what you're doing. So having a social media manager who is present, who is monitoring those channels and can respond within 24 hours or 48 hours, depending on like if it's a weekend or what the contract actually stipulates, can go a long way in really making that customer service experience better and also retain customers. And in this, and in my case, I'm working with a theater company that wants people to come see every show. They want people to see shows multiple times, bring their friends, bring their family. And so just having that positive social media experience can really go a long way in retaining the customer and making them a lifelong, a lifelong customer. Right. That's so smart. That's so good. Um, can I ask you a question about, um, about words? Um, oh, yes. I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of this process when you're um, a brand voice, you, you have to write type, type words, <laughs> whether it's the caption copy of the post, or you're like, you're saying you're having interactions with others um, as the brand. So um, is it, do you feel like, I mean, sometimes people are going to like, need to know what not to say, like, is there a list? Of course, some clients might be very particular and say, don't ever use these words. <laughs> but how do you literally choose words? Like if it's a slang word or something kind of funny or personality, how have you done that with stages? Well, Stages gives me a lot of freedom, which has been really an excellent experience on my end as a social media manager. But also it's about learning the platforms as well. So Stages has a very old, much an older audience base on Facebook. And so the way that I interact with people on Facebook is much different than the things I might do on TikTok or Instagram where the audience inherently skews younger. Um, so there are, for instance, even from a, a video standpoint or a post standpoint, there are posts that I make that I think are amazing Instagram or TikTok posts. And I know that I cannot put that on Facebook for our audience. And other times I just do it and you never know what's going to go viral or what's going to get all the views. You just don't know. But um, that happens sometimes as well. In terms of slang, I will, I will have fun with it. I will. I'm not going to lie. You're uh, you, you good at it. That's why I asked. Right. Uh, but I'll have fun with it on Instagram and on TikTok. And essentially what we're doing, what I'm doing, is I'm creating posts that support the plays. They support the musicals and the plays, the different productions happening at the theater. So when I comment, I try to stay within the world of that play and also the world of the theater. So the jokes, the emojis, the slang... Also knowing the audience base, so knowing, oh, this is someone that is a subscriber. This is someone, this is someone's parent. This is, you know, whoever the recurring characters are who are commenting, your hype crew on social media. Knowing those people, recognizing those people, and knowing that they will have the witty banter back and forth, which then boosts the you know, engagement rate, which helps the algorithm, which helps people who are not in that world to see that post. 
Um, so it can be quite helpful. On Facebook, I'm much more, I would say dry. So if I ask for the production of Always Patsy Cline that's happening right now, I might ask, what's your favorite Patsy Cline song? And then people will respond, crazy, walking after midnight. And my responses are very much, that's a great song, excellent choice. But on Instagram, you know, Brittany might comment, walking after midnight, and I'll respond, girl, we've been knew that, right? So, <laughs> so the responses can vary. And I know that what I'm doing um, is in the brand's voice and it supports the brand's image. Um, I'm positive, I'm supportive, I'm drawing interest in the productions, drawing interest in the culture of the theater. So it all sort of fits in. Um, I'm not doing a, a full Radio Shack. I don't know if you know about the Radio Shack Twitter. Folks. Oh, I heard of that. Yeah. Don't, um, don't stop the podcast, folks. But when you're finished listening to the podcast and giving a review on your preferred platform of choice, <laughs> go to Twitter and look up Radio Shack. So Radio Shack, a few years ago, just basically abandon the entire we're going to sell radios and cell phones and speakers and stuff. And they developed this extremely filthy Twitter channel, all right, Twitter account where, I mean, it's truly vulgar, like v quite vulgar. It works in that it gets attention and that it draws <laughs> people to their page, but is it going to sell a product? Um, is talking about sex on Twitter if you're Radio Shack or, I mean, when I say sex, that's like the PG-13 way of saying this. <laughs> I mean, it is graphic. Is that really going to sell your product, right? And so there's this whole conversation in marketing about, in social media marketing, especially about unhinged marketing, right? Yeah. And sometimes it works if it's done really well, like Duolingo. And other times it doesn't necessarily make sense for the brand. And so, for instance, that unhinged marketing would not work for the clients that we are trying to attract, the audiences we're trying to attract at stages. This episode is sponsored by Fun Love Media. Fun Love Media is a boutique social media and podcasting agency owned by yours truly. We help mission-driven brands across the country stand out and make a positive impact on the world through social media, podcasting, and beyond. Whether you're local to Houston and want to schedule a content shoot to create videos and images for your social media accounts, or you're in any other part of the U.S. and want a new logo and brand design, or even want to launch your own podcast we can help. With our done-for-you content creation, we cultivate a fun and exciting online space so your brand can make the positive impact on the world that it's meant to. Let's be honest, we're a group of creative people with a soft spot for our fellow world changers. If you're ready to tell your story, make a difference, and have fun doing it, you have found your content creation team in Fun Love Media. Head to funlovemedia.com or email me directly at Brittany at funlovemedia.com to get started today. That's B-R-I-T-N-E-Y at funlovemedia.com. There's like, there's probably different situations somebody listening would get into if they're supposed to, if this is one of their responsibilities in, as a social media manager, somebody handling their social media is like, sometimes they're going to run into something where maybe they have really good um, boundaries already set. Like maybe the, the business has really like, like stages, like they've really just been around so long. They really have already developed this, this brand that's so strong. So it really helps the situation for you. Um, in addition to you, you know, learning and knowing so much about them, but like some people are going to go and work with a, a business or brand where they're going to be like, 
uh, I don't know. We don't know what you should write. We don't know how you should, like they, you know, it's, it's crazy how many businesses and organizations are not real familiar with what their brand voice should be. Um, do you have any tips on like, on, on figuring that out, like questions they could ask maybe the business owner, like anything that would help that person get the information they need. They're going to go, they're going to learn in person. They're going to use the products. What do you think? I think asking, who are not as established. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think asking the client about the general vibe, what kind of vibe do you want on that channel? What kind of community do you want to build? What sort of people do you want to attract? What sort of conversations do you want to engender on that account? Could right. be quite helpful. Yeah. I also think part of it is trial and error. If you're working on a new client, a new, I mean, a very new client, for instance, our, our good friend, Megan, who uh, mm -hmm. runs the bar, the wine bar in Kansas City. So what's it called? Barley and Vine? Yeah, Barley and Vine. Barley and Vine. Like that's a new, literally they had their uh, grand opening just recently. Yeah. And so that is a brand new, there's no audience base from the, from the beginning. And yeah. so I think part of it is also trial and error, right? Yeah. Seeing what works. I know that you and I both have our own social media presences and we do a lot of experiments on those channels. We... Right try different things that are outside the box and we see what works, what doesn't work. And then we'll take those things into our paid work, right? As social media managers. And so I think even having a, a personal burner account, I think every social media manager should have at least one social media account that is theirs where they can experiment with things on, where they yeah. can try different um, That's a good idea. rhetorical things in the copy or different ways to engage with people on story posts. Um, I think that can go a really long way. And I think the best social media managers I know are the ones that are doing it on social media themselves as well. Whether they have a large following or not is not important. It's just a matter of finding a, a sandbox where you can experiment with different things. And also when you're working with a brand, part of the beginning of that relationship is trial and error and showing them the copy and then saying, we love it or, Ooh, can you tweak this? And right. so in the beginning with stages, it was very much trial and error. I was creating stuff that I thought would work well and I got feedback. And the more I did that, the less feedback I needed or right. they would need to give me. And so now basically everything I create is approved because I've already learned the business. I've learned what they want. I've learned the way they want to talk about a show when it's in its last week of the production or the way they want to talk about a show that has just started rehearsals. I've done the homework and gotten the feedback along the way that's mastered the product. Well, that's really fantastic that you do it that way as well, because I, I, I think that, and I've seen this where somebody might get feedback, but then don't actually make the adjustments, tweaks, changes to then, you know, make that improvement or whatever. And you are literally just, Hey, cool. Give me the feedback. Give me the info. What do we need to change? And you're actually like remembering that and applying it going forward. I know that sounds really basic, but it's true. It's a, it's a simple thing you can do. That's going to just make it so much easier. Cause now, or I mean, not even just now, like a while back, like you weren't having to do this for very long before you realize, okay, this is the feedback I have. And this is how, this is how I need to go forward. You know, you did it quickly. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, if you think about running a brand, you know, every social media platform or account should have its content pillars, right? Like what are the things that you're constantly hitting? What are the types of funnels of content? And you're sort of just filling those funnels. So for me, I have productions that have 
rehearsals. I have the opening night post. I have the fun stuff about the show. I have the montage videos of the show, the interviews with the cast and creative. So I have a recurring sort of set of things and a recurring set of ways to talk about them. And it's the same thing for someone that's running a, a business, I'm sorry, a restaurant, for instance. Right. You're going to have the post about the new dishes, the specials, um, the audience, not the audience, the, the <laughs> restaurant audience. What do you call those people? The diners, diners. <laughs> the diners, the diners, what their thoughts are, their food reviews, right? So you have certain things that are recurring. And so once you learn them, it's easy to master them and do them well. And if we also think about, you know, the social media account should be something where the brand is able to sort of extend the experience of what you might get in the restaurant, the bar, in the theater, right? It, it also attracts people, but also brings people back, right? And so by doing all of these things, you sort of extend that world and likely retain customers. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love that you brought that point up specifically because I don't really hear that talked about enough, but it's such an advantage for the business in in the big picture to have this kind of thing be spot on because you're right. It's going to make a better experience. The customers are going to be happier. They're going to enjoy it more. I mean, that's fun. Like, who, like you said, who wants to wait like eight days for the freaking whatever you message to reply to you? And like, that sucks. It, <laughs> like, if I they reply at all. It. <laughs> no, a lot of times you don't get a response. Yeah. And it, I remember when I, so I'm a big theater nerd. And I remember when Twitter was starting to become a part of the theater world. And I would go see a show on Broadway or on tour or wherever it might have been. And I would tweet the playbill, a picture of the playbill and some sort of, you know, very short, very short tweet and get retweeted or responded to. And I felt like, oh my gosh, it made me have buy-in for that production. Yep. And now that I look back, I'm like, oh, it was like the social media person was just posting it. And at that time it was probably an intern, you know, um, but it made me like the product more, right. right? And I see that with the work I do with stages. When I repost, if you post on Instagram, on the stories and you tag us, I repost. Yeah. If you post and tag us, I post, unless you post and you say some, some mean things yes. um, or some untoward things. We only do the toward things, um, <laughs> but I repost and people, you can see that sort of buy-in that people have when they're getting that repost. And it doesn't mean I have to write anything with it. Just literally hitting repost goes a long way and building that relationship. The other thing that people always ask us when we're talking to potential clients is this idea of, will I make more money? And we hope so, <laughs> but oftentimes we can't trace that back. And if you think about the way that social media works is I might make an amazing post. I'm, say I'm working with Diet Coke. I make an amazing post about Diet Coke and Brittany sees it, but Brittany doesn't drink Diet Coke, but Brittany tells her friend Roberta about it. And Roberta goes and buys the Diet Coke. So it might not be traceable, you know, who, where this is coming from, but it leads to business, right? And so you see that a lot with the stuff I'm doing for the plays, right? I'm someone who doesn't like theater or doesn't like musicals or murder mysteries might see the content, but they know that their brother does or their niece and nephew does. So they will forward it to them. So you never know where this is going or who's seeing it. And I think focusing on just the revenue from a social media post is not necessarily the most helpful thing. Right. No, 
No, it's not. Um, and P.S. I really do like Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> Everyone, pause this and go buy a Diet Coke. <laughs> not an ad, but call me um, <laughs> as he takes a drink. Mm. I always drink Diet Coke when I'm doing my social media management. <laughs> Afternoon boost. <laughs> Anybody watching the YouTube, you got that. You saw it. Um, if you're not, go to YouTube and watch this instead of listening. <laughs> That's um, what we call a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I love it. Well, it, it's it's cool to to have you here to talk about this because you've done so well with stages and and I think that I think that a a good lesson that that a lot of social media managers will learn if they haven't yet is that um, maybe you shouldn't work with just any and every kind of brand. Um, hey, if you can manage to be a brand voice for, uh, you know, 32 different kinds of industries or something, fine. But I do feel like it makes the work, you, you'll probably agree, just so much more enjoyable and also more ease to it when, like you said, like you love theater, you were already a patron, you were already involved, and it makes sense. So if a social media manager absolutely loves food, then it might make sense for them to lean into that. Like at first, maybe we all kind of just like do whatever we have to do to make some money. But over time, you can kind of mold your career as a social media manager to be in areas that you feel great about and comfortable with. Absolutely. And think about most industries. If you are a lawyer, you have a specific type of law that you practice. If you're a doctor, there are general practitioners, but most doctors are specialized real estate, people are specialized in neighborhoods or parts of town or commercial, residential, so on and so forth. So why shouldn't social media management be the same? Of course, at this point, if anyone wants to work with me, hit me up. I'm a great social media manager. I'm a lot of fun. And I work hard and I meet every deadline. But at the end of the day, if I could pick exactly where my work is coming from, I would want to be in the arts, in performing arts, visual arts. And I think by having a focus that one matches my background, that will help me to be more passionate about it. But also I have life experience that I'm bringing to the table. And also when you're working with the same industry, whether it's food, literature, real estate, whatever it might be, accounting, um, it helps you to specialize. It helps you to develop the language. It also helps you to see what other like uh, businesses are doing on social media. So for instance, when I get on that stages Instagram account, I can, I follow all the theaters in Texas and I see the types of content they're posting. They comment on my videos. I comment on theirs and it builds this, um, knowledge base, right? And so if you're working in food industry in Dallas, you know, following Dallas food restaurants, food restaurants, as opposed to the <laughs> non food restaurants, restaurants, no, but it helps you to specialize and learn what works. Because sometimes, you know, you might be the greatest social media manager in the world, but someone's going to do something that wows you, impresses you, pushes your content forward, so on and so forth. So I think by specializing, that's a good yeah. thing, if we could all do it. Yeah, it's a great thing to work toward. And and, and if at first um, you do what you got to do to make money, I get it. Like we've all been there when we start, like it's, 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 it's what you got to do. But what I was going to say, if you are in that position, anybody listening or watching, um, where you're not able to quite be so picky yet, um, you can find other, um, you can find other things that you can connect 
with the brand or the business on. Um, even if it's the business owner themselves, um, you can somehow have something in common with them. You understand them. You have, you know, y'all maybe have a similar personality. Like there's other ways for you to feel like you connect with that brand and that it's not some totally foreign out there thing that you just don't get at all. So just look for any like little common commonalities between you, the brand, the business, the owner, and kind of just work with what you got. But to me, like the first thing you started with earlier, when you said doing the homework, actually going and spending time there, if it's a physical location or with the business owner, if you can, whatever, and, and really diving in, that to me is crazy valuable. And I, I've had that experience, like specifically in recent times with Click Salon here in Houston, like, like I go in person it, on many times a year. And so I'm really in there and I, I don't do hair and I never have, but by having other things in common with those women and understanding that side of that, and then, and then being there and watching and learning, it's, it's crazy. Cause then I'll, it's so wonderful. I'll go back and create the content and like, I can say things. It's like, Oh, well, I learned that today about hair and I, I can speak on it because I actually went and did the homework, you know? You know, this made me think of something we've never talked about this, but I have a feeling that it does not feel like work for you to work with click. No, it doesn't feel real work. You know, it's pretty uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it is work, right? <laughs> you know, would I rather be on a beach in Hawaii? Yes. But um, like when I'm doing the work with stages, I would say 90% of it, I, I like enjoying it, right? It's doing something that brings me joy. It's filling my passions. It's a good way to spend my time. Um, that is what I'm mostly thinking about, right? Um, so I think trying to find those clients where the relationship is easy, where you can naturally speak in the voice, create in the voice of the brand, I think goes a long way in making this sustainable. You know, I know we've all been in that position where we're working with a client where it just isn't vibing um, for whatever reason, and it feels like work. Yes. I think we want to avoid that in the future. <laughs> and I think I by being transparent about processes beforehand can go a long way in really alleviating those kind of difficult relationships, right. which is when you're going to have trouble speaking in the brand voice. Yeah. Oh, it, it'll totally screw that up. Yeah. Communication is like a huge, I mean, God, the, the phrase I was almost said communication is key. That phrase drives me bonkers, but it's so true. <laughs> communication is key. Um, it really is with your, with your clients and, and with your, um, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, in my case, stages produces 10 plays a year. So I have 10 very different worlds that I'm creating content for. Um, some of one play might be a murder mystery in Switzerland. And one play might be a silly riff on Alice in Wonderland that is set to Selena's music. Right. So we're talking two very different things. Um, and so it can, you know, be a lot, but um, yeah. that's what makes it fun. I think, yeah. you know, having all these sort of, different things and setting up those communication channels from the beginning and having conversations around, in my case, what types of songs, what types of sounds do you want to hear? And so for instance, um, I was for... just trying to ask you, the final question was about music. So yeah. Like, so, so brought it up. Cause that's the brand voice too. Yeah. So for instance, every play has a soundscape, right? And sometimes it is more my job to figure it out based on my research 
such is the case with the play that we, they just did called Switzerland. But in, in um, for Panto Alicia and Wonderland, which is the Alice in Wonderland show they're doing in December, I basically just talked to the director and said, hey, can you send me a list of the songs in the show? And so she sent me 10 songs. And so I used that as sort of a starting, a starting place. Sometimes the songs might not work and I might find a similar song from the artist or a similar vibe. Um, or for instance, for a play they did last um, in September called POTUS, which was a fun like girl boss, like bitchin' kind of show. Right. Um, I used all these like girl power anthems, right? Yeah. And so it was a lot of fun to do that, but you have to do the research to figure out what works. Also, you know, in my case, I'm researching what other people have done. So I'm not always trying to reinvent the wheel. I can go to social media and say, oh, I'm working for, this is going to, we are seriously not getting paid from Diet Coke today, <laughs> but I'm on, I'm, I'm wanting to create content for Diet Coke. What has Diet Pepsi done? What has Diet Dr. Pepper done? What right. has Diet Sprite? Is Diet Sprite a thing? I mean, I think it, I is. it is. No, but um, how are they creating content, right? And a lot of this could be, oh, this is what I don't want to do, right? Or this is content that was not successful. I'm going to do something very different. And other times, you know, you can mimic, right? Social media is all about mimicry. And we, Brittany and I talked about this at one point. It's not copy and paste. It's copy with taste. I don't remember who said that, but there was someone on a podcast that we listened yeah. to that said that, copy with taste. Yes. So that's what we want to be doing. Yeah. We're taking the Diet Coke, <laughs> and we're making it even oh. more delicious. Nice. Really, Diet Coke. So just FYI, listeners, our goal today is to get sponsored by Diet Coke. <laughs> That's really Social funny. Sunshine Podcast, sponsored by Diet Coke. That's Drink nice. yours today. Yeah, well, you thought we were here to talk to social media managers. Nope, we're here to get get a sponsor. Um, no, really, call me Diet Coke. Um, well, thank you for... Thank you for doing this with me. This is really helpful. I love to nerd out with you on these topics per usual. And I know everybody listening got a lot of value out of this. We'll put in the show notes, of course, but please say it out loud how everybody can find you on social media so they can follow and be obsessed with the Dr. Buffoni content amazingness. So you can find me on any social media channel. If you just look up my last name, B-O-F-F-O-N-E. Dr. Buffoni. I am the one, the only Dr. Buffoni. I'm all over the place. And if you want to follow my work with Stages, we are Stages Houston on all the platforms. Yay. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show, y'all. For more information about the podcast, go to socialsunshinepodcast.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and LinkedIn. And subscribe to the Social Sunshine Podcast YouTube channel to watch the video version of each episode. For more information about me, go to brittanycrossin.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok. The Social Sunshine Podcast is a Fun Love Media production. Funlovemedia.com. Bye.